Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hi, I'm Alan Monticilio, and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. In the past few years, destructive fires have become a regular part of life in California. But long before that, there was another big fire that lots of East Bay residents still remember. 30 years ago, the Oakland Hills firestorm broke out. It killed dozens of people, destroyed thousands of homes, and it changed the Bay's relationship to fire forever. This has significantly been the worst fire to impact the hills because it was a combination of acres burned and the fact that so many homes were built in the area. Today, the legacy of the Oakland Hills fire and how we can make sure it doesn't happen again. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. You know, 30 years later, this still remains one of the most destructive wildfires in America. Brian Kranz is a contributing health reporter for the Oakland side. You know, when I moved to the Bay Area, especially in the East Bay, people talked about it. You know, it was the fire danger in the hills and it was was an urban wildfire. Those are just two terrifying words when you put them together. On October 19th, 1991, uh, there was a report of a brush fire in an area. It's uh, right near the Caldecott Tunnel, that area. Several departments came out, the East Bay Parks Department, Oakland Fire, they came out and they thought they had it out. An Oakland Fire crew that was supposed to take over, watch over the fire just to make sure it was out, didn't actually show up. The next morning, bright and early, You know, people were coming out of their house, coffee cups in hand to get their newspapers, and suddenly the Diablo winds kicked in, and it just took those embers, those smoldering embers from the day before, and just sent them flying everywhere. 
the Oakland Fire Department was really quick to just all of a sudden stop and say, we are no longer trying to put this fire out. We need to run from it. This is KQED Radio News. Good evening. I'm Sally Isley. It's easy to tell where the fire was. Five days later, you can still smell it. A hazy, pungent mix of odors. The smell of eucalyptus laced with charred auto parts hangs over the East Bay like an odd kind of smog. You can We're talking like 1,500 acres burned, uh, 3,500 housing units, 25 people died, 150 people were injured. Among the dead was a uh, Oakland Fire Battalion chief, an Oakland police officer. It was it was just catastrophic. It helped us better understand that you know we're not necessarily as safe as we think. We like to think you know we're we're relatively safe because you know it's modern living. But we learned a lot about how wildfires can quickly spread to homes, and once they hit those homes, those homes become fuel. And if the winds keep going, there's really nothing stopping these huge blazes. What were some of the conditions that allowed this fire to spread the way it did? When I started looking into it, you know, I started seeing some similarities to what we're experiencing now. It was a five-year drought. Um, you know, it was really warm. And, you know, and that's what we have in the Bay Area. It's, it's warm later in the summer. The main factor is the wind. It was just, you know, it was, a, it was a man-made fire that quickly got out of control. And it's the same thing if you go up in these areas, up in the woods now, you can see all of this stuff that hasn't burned in all these years. So there's just a lot of just dry fuel. And that's the exact same thing that was people were experiencing in 1991. All of this, I think, also begs another question, which I know you've also been uh, thinking about and reporting on. Could something like this happen again in Oakland? Yes. As many people who have lived in the East Bay for a long time or grew up there, I had always known about the fire and I'd always heard about the fire. Alessandra Zambrano was a master's candidate at Cal Poly at San Luis Obispo. And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study, I kept returning to this question of, will Oakland burn again? Alessandra Zambrano did her entire master's thesis specifically on the 91 fire, and it wanted to answer a simple question of, will Oakland burn again? And she came up with a yes. What does she say about why... Oakland is still at risk for something like the Tunnel Fire again. What I found was that the hills still host a very high fire hazard with potential to produce an extreme fire similar to the 1991 event. Numerous factors, uh, a lot of it having to do with just simply human beings living in the woods. Um, and that's what some of these neighborhoods are. You know, they're right up against, you know, large, large parks. So when I looked at the present-day conditions and then model fire under those conditions, what I found was a very extreme fire hazard. We have a lot of heat and we have a lot of fuel. There's just so much unburned material and downed trees and, and generally all it really needs is that one spark. There is a long history of fire in that area and the conditions that promoted the 1991 fire, we might call them extreme weather, but they are by no means rare. It's kind of like waiting for the next big earthquake. Like, you know, it's coming and it's just a matter of being prepared. What we're seeing is that we are having these wind events more often. We are hitting higher temperatures every year. And 
the reality is it's not a matter of will Oakland burn again, but when. Brian, it, so based on what you're saying, it, it, it seems like another fire of some kind in the Oakland Hills seems all but inevitable in a way. And it's just a question of when and how bad it could be. Is Oakland any more prepared now than it was back in 1991? Yes. There was the issue that, which they don't do anymore, but they left a fire kind of alone overnight, where now fire crews stay and wait and make sure it's completely out. You know, but then there was an issue with a lot of the responding agencies. They couldn't speak to one another because their radio system wasn't set up properly. And another problem that some had were the hydrants. They couldn't connect to them. It was like a difference between like half an inch and some places had adapters. But now in hindsight, we're like, yeah, a city's, you know, we're obviously always going to go help. So like Berkeley's going to help Oakland and vice versa on a regular basis. So we should have the same equipment and the ability to talk to one another, which we now do. You know, the Oakland Fire Safe Council, they're coming up with all of these resources for people. You know, we just let people know, you know, there's no smoke in the air right now. But that still doesn't mean we shouldn't be thinking about it. Is there anything meaningful on a policy level or just system preparedness level that is is fundamentally different now than it was then? It's a lot of little things. It's not one big thing, but it's a lot of little things. It's closing Joaquin Miller Park during red flag days. It's, you know, we now have a siren warning system. It's AC alerts. Um, you know, the East Bay Regional Parks plan getting of getting through... Um, cutting through a lot of the dead stuff. So in terms of mitigation, we are in a race against time. Alessandra Zambrano found to really cut down on the amount of damage one of these firestorms could cause was fully implementing the East Bay Parks, you know, mitigation plan. That's, you know, uh, the beloved goats. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, especially now they just got 10 million from the state to to remove a lot of dead trees from the drought. When I modeled their plan, what I found was that it was able to affect fire behavior. It was able to lower extreme fire behavior, even in a park like Claremont Canyon. But this was dependent on that plan being fully implemented. So when we're thinking about sort of on a slightly larger kind of regional level, who is thinking about this issue and trying to prepare? East Bay Regional Parks, Cal Fire, Oakland Fire, you know, the firefighters are going up and they're doing property inspections every year. Hey, clean that up, clean this up, do this, do that, you know. They're finding people for not, for, you know, being being bad neighbors, essentially. The people who have gone through this type of thing on a regular basis, they kind of just want everyone to be ready at all times. And while that does sound like kind of nerve wracking, if we're all prepared, then when it does come, we're, we're ready. And that's the most important thing we can do. If you live in the hills, you have to know that you there comes great responsibility for living here. Gordon Sue Piper, um, they lost their home during the 91 fire. Um, they decided, you know, do you rebuild or you stay? They decided to stay. They're glad they stayed. But they have dedicated their entire lives to making sure that this does not happen again. My wife here, uh, after the firestorm, was the president of the local PTA and came home one day and said, Honey... Uh, you're now the landscape committee for the PTA, and it's like, what? I'm just a husband here. What do I know about that? So it's probably uh, led to, uh, you know, 30-year 
career doing a lot of work on vegetation management and emergency uh, preparedness. They're the ones that are going to the city of Oakland and making sure that there's enough money dedicated to vegetation management. Because it's not just private property, too. It's like, who owns, uh, okay, this land's owned by the East Bay Parks. This land is owned by Caltrans. So it's just making sure that all these different agencies that have stake in this land are actively making sure, just because there's not smoke in the air, to make sure we're still thinking about fire danger. You got to work together. You got to come up with a collaborative plan and maybe maintain it in a collaborative way because, like I said, if, you, if only one, one entity does it and the other one doesn't, you know, that's where the fuel is. But the fire doesn't care about jurisdiction. They don't care about the jurisdiction. Brian, you live in Oakland. As someone who lives there, what's the most important thing you learned from this story? It's just kind of knowing that when this happens, our, our public emergency system is going to be so inundated that people that need help getting out of their homes, you know, they can't count on the fire department because there just won't be enough fire people. It's the way Oakland works, is that when something bad happens, we all band together. And that's what's going to happen if something like this happens again. It's going to be Oaklanders taking care of Oaklanders. And while it'll be a spectacular sight to see, it's something I'd rather not. Brian, thanks so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks again to Brian Kranz, contributing health reporter for The Oakland Side. Brian has also made an original 30-minute audio piece on the Oakland Hills fire for The Oakland Side. We'll leave a link to that in our show notes. This episode was produced and cut by Kate Wolf. Erica Cruz Guevara added the scoring and the tape and provided additional production support. The Bay is made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Alan Montecilio. Thanks for listening and talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.